Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome back to another episode of Rock That Relationship. We are knee deep in the series on healing after a breakup. And today we have a really interesting topic on making space for others' joy. This is such an interesting topic that as Tracy and I were doing our prep for it, I really thought we should have pressed record because we had so many interesting discussions that um, we realized that this topic was incredibly important for us to be talking about in this series. And so mm-hmm. kind of before we get started though, Tracy, I know I know you've done this uh, kind of discussion of this metaphor of this this creepy doll. You brought it up in mm-hmm. other episodes. I think it's an, a kind of an awkward and terrifying kind of Chucky <laughs> kills you kind of yeah. metaphor. But but I get what you're saying, and maybe, but I do think it it creates a premise for really what we're talking about today. So can you share a little bit about your creepy doll metaphor? Well. It's just, I don't actually have a creepy doll. I just want everyone to know that. But I'm saying like, <laughs> if you had a creepy doll from childhood that you love, but it gives you the creeps, right? And you're carrying it around, but you can't just get rid of it. It's like an ugly doll that you have to drag around with you, that you have to look at every once in a while. And if you just throw it out, you're, it's going to haunt you forever. So you need to like still see it, even though you're experiencing joy, even though you're moving on. You you need to recognize and respect that ugliness that you still have with you does that make sense the ugliness being all that sadness and pain but that you can have a life while you're enduring that pain like you're carrying around this doll I never had real well I guess I I did have a raggedy Ann and she got a little bit like frayed toward the end and Mm -hmm. so she was a little little creepy I did finally get rid of her, but, um, but I get what you're saying. It's this idea that you are carrying something that is unsettling to you. You can't Mm -hmm. really put it down, but you still have to live your life with carrying something that is unsettling. And in this case, what is unsettling is really this this sadness and hurt and grief and loss and trauma and all, whatever might be coming from the relationship that just ended. So that's your Mm -hmm. doll. Is that kind of, do I have it right? Yes. And like, you really can't get rid of it because it's part of you now. You know, and you've got to tend to it or it will haunt you. I feel like haunt you. That's very, very terrifying. I'm going to get rid of this analogy afterwards. Yeah, I read (laughs) The Blind Fury growing up and I couldn't even keep the book on my nightstand without turning over the cover because the girl had like, you know, demon eyes coming out. So, oh, yeah. Something that you you don't want to see, but it's with you. You know, you don't want to look at it, but you have to. But you have to, well, and that's the thing, you know, we have talked about it in several episodes about you have to feel until it's been felt, right? Like trying to Mm -hmm. compartmentalize and in this case, you know, just sit the doll down and just say, I'm moving on. You you know, you can't sort of will yourself to some immediate healing in this process. And so carrying around this doll is just, you know, you carry it around until you feel like you no longer need to carry it around and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to stay with you and kind of haunt you forever. But this idea is, is that you can't just put it down just because you want to put it down. And in this case with like relationships with sadness, you know, when we say sadness, kind of looking at the, all of the kind of the negative feelings that come with the, you know, a breakup is you just, you have to work through them and you also right. have to simultaneously live your life, but you are in many ways carrying around this kind of sad, um, 
you know, kind of just negative negativity or just feelings, bad feelings, just um, whether that's anger or hurt or just grief, but they don't just go away because you're like, yep, I want them to go away. Yeah. And part of our thing is, and part of your thing with me was get out, do things, you know, and you're, I was still very sad. I was sad all the time. I was sad to be going out and doing stuff, but I still did it, but I was, I could do stuff. That's where I feel like people, it's healthy to do that. I mean, we did have talked about where, you know, respect your process, but I also think you shouldn't um, isolate yourself. I don't think it's healthy to just, you know, like let your life end because of a breakup. And so part of the healing process is going out, but you're going to be burdened with the sadness at the same time. Right, right. Well, and you know, this idea of just like, all of a sudden the breakup happens and you like, try to like fill your, your time with lots of things. And we've talked about that in particularly our previous season. And I think that what we're talking about here is a little bit different. It said, you know, as you go out and live your life, understanding that not only is it okay, but it's, it's very likely that you are going to be doing many of those things while also feeling sad. And I know when I went through, you know, a breakup, um, I remember going out and doing things that I love to do. And for like little blips of moments, I had these just flashes of joy and excitement that I was doing the things that I liked. But then when I had just a moment, it, it slipped down into like, oh, but I feel sad again. And and that, right. that had to be okay. It wasn't like all of a sudden I was going to go out and play basketball for an afternoon and I was going to feel great and distracted and like fulfilled. It was that I could still feel some sense of fulfillment sprinkled in with what I was carrying around with my creepy doll that whole time. Well, and part of that is being around other people, right? So other people aren't going to be in the same stage as you and they are going to have happiness. And I think that's something we really need to talk about is is not stealing their joy or not becoming bitter about their happiness and the things that are going on with them. And I know that you and I dealt with that personally between the two of us because I was in a very sad place and you were in a really good place. And I think it was the same vice versa, wasn't it? You were in a really bad place when I got into a really good place. And it was really hard to be happy for each other. Like, yeah. I mean, in the time we talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was getting out of, you know, a relationship and I was dealing with a breakup and it was really, really hard on me. And you and I were just becoming friends at that point in time. And you had just started a relationship that you were very excited about. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you wanted to tell me things like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write this love poem. And I'm like, ah, love poems, love poems are horrible. Who writes love poems? But I couldn't say that to you because you were feeling elated about it. But at the same time, like, you know, how much do you tell me about love poems when I'm feeling so horrible, right? I mean, it's sort of this balance of kind of checking the context of that conversation. Well, it's like, if I'm telling you that I'm having a good time in my relationship and we're doing stuff, I mean, you did go out with us and stuff like that. And so I think that's important. And then when I was very sad, I became the third wheel in your relationship, you know, and you never made me feel excluded. And I don't think I ever made you feel excluded. But when we were talking about all this stuff, it was really hard because I was ecstatic and then I was sad and you were ecstatic, you know? Right. Did you ever feel like you had to temper how ecstatic you were about your relationship when you knew that I was like, like literally tears were coming down my face about mine? Yes, I did. Yes. I think that's only compassionate. I believe you felt the same way, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to be like, oh my gosh, you know? You say this thing, and so, you know, it was really funny. Towards the beginning uh, of your, you know, right after you had your kind of one of your recent breakups, you you said, um, 
Oh my gosh. Are you and you know, and your person, are you two rubbing faces right now? Are you rubbing faces? And I mean, that was kind of your, your symbolism for like, you know, are you snuggling? Are you loving each other? Right. You know, I mean, it was probably, you know, I don't think it was anything more than that, but just this idea of like, are you connecting? No, it wasn't. Are you, are you feeling overwhelmed with love and joy? And you know, right. you would joke with me and be like, are you rubbing faces? And so that was kind of your, your thing. And, and it was, it, in a way it was a good balance because like, I knew that you weren't like bawling about it, <laughs> but I right. also wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I spent the whole evening. We just rubbed faces all night. You want to hear right. all about us right. rubbing faces? Cause you were like, right. like a little bit too overwhelmed with that idea. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, one has to understand their audience and where the audience is. So you can't completely deny your happiness or not talk about things that are going well for you. I mean, it's the same, I think, for anything. Jobs, um, you know, you might be doing well in a job and the other person might not be. Um, home ownership or something like that. I mean, you know, you still have to, if you're the person who's suffering, you still have to make space for that other person to be happy, you know? Right, right. And and it's really hard. It is not easy. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. I remember um, that... I kind of felt a little guilty that I was pulling you down when I wanted to incessantly talk about my breakup when you were just starting this relationship. And I'm like, gosh, does she really want to be in this like negative emotional space with me? Like 20, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wouldn't, it didn't pull me down. And that's the other thing is like, I could be in my relationship and be happy and then still be there for your sadness. So I never felt pulled down. Well, that's just, yeah. The only thing I ever felt was like, you know, a little bit of resentment when I was miserable. And I think everyone has that feeling like, oh my God, I'm the only person who's going through a breakup and everybody else is so happy, you know, yep, or I'm yep. the only person who's single and everybody else is in relationships. <laughs> and it is hard. It's very hard to deal with that. I mean, same with like family stuff, right? Like, you know, you had a lot of family stuff going on and I had lost family members and, you know, I didn't talk to family members and that was very difficult for me, but I can't right. be like, you know, Ew, your family sucks, you know. Like right, right. don't I don't want to hear about your Christmas. I don't want to hear about your holidays. Yeah. And you know, with your kid and then I wasn't seeing my kids and so it's very difficult. Like but you have to it's like a practice just like anything else. Like I have to be able to make space for that other person because you don't want the other friend to stop telling you stuff. You don't want them to stop talking about what's making them happy in their life, you know? Right. Or have to censor. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, my mom recently passed away and I was incredibly close to my mom and I had to make it through the holidays and things. And her birthday was recently and, you know, it was difficult. And I, and I wonder, and I haven't asked this, but I wonder to what extent other people aren't telling me about maybe like their mom coming to visit or spending holidays with their mom because they're afraid that it will hurt me. Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but you know, are other people being, is that compassionate or are they censoring themselves? Right. Like, are they, you know, is it compassionate to say, I'm not going to sit here and talk about my mom or is it saying like, I'd love to talk about my mom, but I just don't, I don't, I'm not going to, cause I think it'll be hurtful. Well, how would you feel right now? I had a great relationship with my mother and I was just telling you all about it. And it was so great. Like, do you think you'd feel just happy for me or do you think there'd be a part of you that felt really sad or resentful I think there'd be a part of me that would feel kind of sad Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that when I'm the one talking 
then I should, you know, see where the other person is. Yes, I can talk about it, but maybe I should temper it a little bit. Or, I mean, that's always, you know, certain holidays on Facebook, as uh, I've said before, I'm a prolific Facebooker, but there are certain days I just don't want to be on Facebook just because I don't have those things that other people have that they're so happy about, you know? And so it is hurtful. I mean, I think a lot of people know that and more people have started to put on Mother's Day, like acknowledging the fact that, you know, you can't just say a mother is love, a mother is this, a mother is wonderful, because that's not true for everybody. And that's like worse. And the people who put on Facebook, you know, I'm really glad to celebrate my mom, but I also am acknowledging that there are people that don't have that. And to me, that's the better way to be, is that mm-hmm. you can celebrate your mom, you can celebrate the love that you have, but understand that not everybody has that. So making blanket statements about, you know, relationships or how what certain kinds of people you know a mother or a father should be that actually hurts people more I think yeah well and they think about that when it comes to like also romantic relationships and you know like I you know people will say things like um I hope you can have the kind of marriage that I have and you know it's like I don't even want to get married or you know but it it is when it, it does end up kind of in this way where there's that fine line, right? Between being compassionate about what you say to someone else, but without fully like censoring your own experience so that you're leaving out a chunk of your life that you would normally share with someone. I I remember, as you were talking about earlier, I remember after one of my breakups several years ago, it was, I mean, we broke up right before like Thanksgiving and for New Year's Eve, I had nothing to do. And so I had a friend of mine invite me to game night and it was couples game night. And I was the Mm. only non-couple and they're like, well, how are we going to do it with an odd number of people here? And how, you know, Mm. and and it was like, I I just, it was like those little comments. I just felt it was was hard to hear. Um, you know, but I also knew that that was my sad doll, you know, my, or I guess my right. doll that I had with me. And I still had to, you know, find ways to play games and have fun while having that. And but that is that hard. It is, but it, it is hard. And that's when we say is all this ties into the healing processes. You know, we're not healing in isolation. We, I mean, some of us, some people do, but most people aren't healing without the influence of the external world around them. So it's one of those things where like, if you feel like you're on this path and you wake up and you're having a really good day and you're feeling you know, you're feeling great. You're moving forward through your sadness. And then all of a sudden somebody goes and is like, oh my gosh, we had the best date last night. And then all of a sudden you like slip back into something where you're like, oh, I'm sad again. That's why the healing process is more than just an internal thing. It's dealing with the external factors around you that other people are going to say and do things that are going to impact how you internalize and experience your own sadness. Yeah. And I think you do have to make a judgment call. Like, are you going to go to a new year's party that's mixed it's going to be singles and couples you know I don't think I could go to a new year's party that was all couples after I'd been through a breakup I think that's that would be too difficult did you know it before you got there Uh, no not really no I had an idea of a couple couples that were going to be there but I didn't realize everyone was going to be coupled up yeah that's very difficult you know I mean you bring up a good point though because part of it is yeah I want to be happy for other people but do I want to if I know that I don't have the capacity at that point in time to really really genuinely empathetically feel their joy do I put myself in a situation where I say where I ask them about something or I go to something in which I know I'm going to experience that joy um when I know that I might not have the capacity to handle it at that point well I think that in as part of your healing is to ask people okay well who's going to be there what kind of party is it going to be because you have to know your limits of what you can handle and that's okay I couldn't do it I could not go to a couple's party no way no how 
after a breakup, I'd feel just that would put me way back. That would set me back. But I could go to a party that was a bunch of friends, you know. Sure. Um, sure. I had people over for New Year's recently, and that was was the Broken Hearts Club. But Mm -hmm. I happen to be in a different place now. So I wasn't brokenhearted, but I didn't rub stuff in their face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, the whole point was they were both alone on New Year's and, and I was there to be there and talk through all that stuff, you know? So it's like, if I was like, come on over and I'm going to be like macking on somebody that wouldn't be okay when they're both in a sad space, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask. And then, to choose not to do everything that you're invited to because you have to protect your emotional self first and foremost. Well, and also not to choose to have the kinds of conversations you might not be ready for. So like, it's okay if you're feeling super sad and you just decide that you don't want to spend the entire conversation with someone talking about how great their love life is. Like, it's okay. You can maybe talk about other things. Like you've got to know where your limits are. And I know for you and I, though, we talk about, you know, sometimes like when we, when we interact with other people or we go to events that, that would make us kind of reminded of that we're sad or we're not ready to feel other people's joy and excitement in their life. Um, there's other times in which maybe putting yourself in that situation does give you joy. So like, um, I know I, there are folks that say like, you know, maybe I'm single, but I love talking to people about their, their relationships and how great the relationships are because it doesn't make me sad that I don't have one. It makes me excited to know that I could have one. And so that actually has the opposite effect. Um, have you mm-hmm. ever experienced that where you put yourself in someone else's joyful situation because you know that that joy can somehow like give you hope or inspiration? Well, I used to not. And then I listened to this podcast, I think, or maybe it was a TED talk. I'm not sure, but it was about if you feel envy, don't, that's not a bad feeling. If you feel envy, then you should model yourself after that person. Because if you're feeling envy, that's something that you want, right? So you could rather than be resentful, learn from what they have. How did they get it? How are they managing it? You know, things like that. Like it could apply to anything, um, their career, their relationships, things like that. And I think that that's modeling, you know, and I think we'd all be better off if we had better relationship modeling in this world, you know, mm-hmm. better connection, better friendships. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm trying to do with a bunch of things. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is to promote that better modeling, to promote like discussion and and working through these things so that they don't lead to the loss of relationship or friendships, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about that, the, the idea of envy, it reminds me, I was talking with a, a friend of mine that I had met through this manifesting group and we were just doing kind of a one-on-one Zoom chat talking about the things that we were manifesting. And I was talking about this book that I'm writing on heartbreak and healing and kind of getting into, you know, the weeds a little bit with her about it and how excited I was and all of this, um, you know, this talk about it. And then the, then the manifest about the book and all of this. And you know what she said to me? She said, I've been wanting to get back to writing. And she said, instead of saying like, "Ugh, I just haven't been able to do it and starting to feel down on herself. She said, I feel completely inspired. I feel like you mm. were supposed to be on this call with me right now because you are literally the voice of the universe telling me like, 
Hey, it's time. Hmm. Let's do this. And she said, thank you for being there. Thank you for spreading like your excitement and your joy about this, because I feel excitement and joy about my writing project. And now I'm going to get started. And I thought, what a, what an interesting response. Like I've never had that Mm -hmm. where someone actually felt my joy and tried to incorporate it. Now, I don't know if I've done that as much with, um, with relationships. I do remember (laughs) that when you were getting into your relationship, um, and I was dealing with a breakup. I wanted to, you know, be in a relationship too, not because you were, and I wanted to like compete right. or be in alignment with, but right. it was like, I want that too. I want that excitement and that honeymoon phase. I want that like googly eye thing, you know? And, and so I started to go out and just like pound the pavement to like find right. someone to do this with. And, um, and, and so it inspired me, but in, in a sense, it, it, it I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it quickened your process. I I thought you went a little overboard personally with the the trying to date and I thought you should slow down, but I see because you were hanging around us all the time, you know, and, but that's how I feel too. Like I was your third wheel for a long time. I know. Yeah. I mean, It, it was after you had been my third wheel. And so therefore I saw, remember, I even said this to you. I thought you rushed it. I thought you pushed too hard. And you needed more healing time and more space. And so for me, that was actually good to see because it made me slow down. It made me fully, I mean, I did not have any interest in dating. I was not planning on dating. I wasn't doing anything, right? And I was just feeling my feelings and all that. Yeah. Well, I unfortunately brought the creepy doll to every date that I was on. That's pretty much how it happened. Did you really? Well, yeah. My first date after the breakup, you remember, I ended up in my car in tears. Well, okay, but not in front of the person. Oh gosh, no. And this person was absolutely lovely. And a year right. later, I would have probably dated her, but, um, right. yeah, I, but you I were, mean, it was too soon. I told you that. I know. I, well, you, I mean, was that too was soon, but then immediately you went on to the next one. And that, and <laughs> truly, I think you found fault with everybody, you know, because it was too soon. And but I wanted what everyone else reaction had. to me. Yeah. Well, that's the thing here. There, we need to talk about that. Wanting what everyone else has. Well, that's part of it. Maybe it's like, just not supposed to be at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I that's see you're really in a happy relationship. You're in a happy relationship. So I can either say I'm going to be bummed out and depressed and even more sad because I'm all alone on this healing journey and no one can relate to me because they're all happy. Or I can say I'm inspired. I want to have what they have. I'm going to go out and get it. And, um, you know, there's kind of pros and cons to, to both of those really, but yeah, I mean, I wanted that joy too. So I, I come more from the idea of like, I'm not bitter about the things that make you happy. I just want to go, I want to have it too. So I try to find a way to, to have it too. Sometimes I move a little but, fast and a little eagerly, but. Yeah, because you had your whole, you know, like plan about it. And I, I think the difference was, you know, I had been separated at that point for 10, 11 months. So it wasn't, you were just broken up with. So I felt like you needed a little more time and. I had had time. It didn't look like it because I wasn't legally divorced yet, but we've been separated for, I'd moved out, you know, 10 months earlier. Um, so it's hard. It's like, yeah, you, I think that's the thing is like, you can't look at other people and then rush to get what they have because maybe you're not ready for that yet. And it, clearly mine didn't result in anything but an implosion. So, you know, eight months later, that's not my fault it didn't work out right but like it's like you don't know what position you're going to be in from day to day 
you know? No. I mean, cause some days you could feel really, you know, like you said, envious or jealous that, you know, or resentful that someone else has something that you want. And other days you could say the very same exact situation. Oh, I want what they have too. I'm really excited and inspired and I want to go do it. Um, and, th- and that can change. And that's also part of the, the healing process is being okay with the idea that you might fluctuate. You may fluctuate every single day between different people's circumstances or, or whatever. And you may have the same exact situation where, you, you know, it could be where you and your person are like, you know, talking about your awesome weekend. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all I did was like sit and pet my cat and I'm so sad. And, right. and, and then like, like 10 minutes later, I could be like, oh my gosh, I want to have an awesome weekend too. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I just want to pet my cat. And like those fluctuating emotions are okay too. Yes. But, and also though, if you want something that someone else has, you have to talk to them about the process that they got to be there. You know what I mean? You can't just look at them and assume something. Oh, they must just be magic in relationships or they got this and it's going to be so great. You know what I mean? Like it would be helpful to know like how much time, how much therapy I did to even get to that place, you know, to be able to even think about dating someone again. Right. Like I had done so much therapy and we had met and yeah, I pretty much started right after we met, but I had done a ton of therapy, whereas you were in a more recent breakup, you know, a right. very traumatic one. So you needed something else. And I did really feel like you're rushing it, but I was also being supportive because it was kind of hilarious what was happening. Well, yeah, I wrote a book about it. I was it. kind yeah. of a boy, a voyeur. And that, but there you know, was that- some kind of too much funny stuff happening. It was true. But that, you know, but that also is part of my healing too, <clears throat> was the, the, you know, going through it in that, that process. But, you know, there's, you know, we keep talking about, you know, you know, making, making space for, for others joy and, you know, thinking about how other people also portray their joy is really important. I find it interesting, especially, I know this is probably more of something that you encounter because you're on Facebook more is that people portray things as more joyous than they really are. So you may have this, like, I want a relationship just like these two people. And then all of a sudden you realize that it's really not that great after all, or it's like an idealized situation. Like there's no way anybody could have that kind of a relationship. It's a fairy tale. Um, And so I think sometimes too, is like, you know, holding up these standards of these fairy tales makes it really different, difficult to like, to, to feel a sense of like, I'm inspired to do that too, because it feels so out of reach. Well, that's very interesting. And this is to be a whole podcast series about Facebook. I don't, I just don't see Facebook the way that other people do. I guess I take people at face value. I mean, I know people say that people are putting a lot of fake stuff or unrealistic stuff on there, which I, as you know, I don't, I don't do anything that's fake or unrealistic. And I just put the good and the bad and the ugly out there. And I, I don't get influenced by other people. I think that's something very important though, also, is that I can't look at somebody else's Facebook post where they're like gallivanting around with their new love and take it, get, get upset about it. Right. Cause you don't know what's going on, but also it's not your life like that's the thing everyone's on their own path and that is a very important I don't know what you'd call it a tenet or a precept to me like we are all on our own path your path is different from my path my path is different from even the person that I might be dating you know what I mean like I can't take on a Facebook friend's path and think that that's some reflection on me it's the same with like I've never been influenced by magazines you know the makeup and how women look in magazines and all that like people say it like erects people's self-esteem it's never even 
doesn't phase me in that way. And I think that that's where we need to get to as a society is you do you, I'll do me. But you got to know who you are in order to do that, you know, and that's got to come like if you can be happy for somebody and listen to what they have to say, the only way you're going to be able to do that is to not take it as a judgment on yourself, to not let it reflect back on yourself, you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, but that takes a, that takes a lot of effort. I mean, I mean, we're, it is so common that people put, I don't want to say fake stuff. I mean, they do put fake stuff, but just kind of an idealized version of themselves or an overabundance of kind of joyous moments on social media um, and there's even a name for it. It's brand management. I mean, it happens so commonly that there are people who teach you how to do your own personal brand management to put out all these great things to make you look good. And it's hard to decipher between what is real and, and what is not. And so, I mean, it's like you see pictures of people who are like, you know, here I am today. I went to the grocery store and I bought green beans and it was such a great experience. And you're like, come on, you bought green beans. And some of that stuff we can kind of see through that, or maybe it was a transformative green bean experience. I don't know. But the point is, is that sometimes those idealized senses of joy, it's hard to know whether they're, they're exaggerated or not. And then, you know, and then it's like, I want that too. I want, you know, but that's where you have to get to the point in your life through therapy or something else where that stuff doesn't affect you. Where, you know what I mean? Where you can look at that and be like, oh, cool. They got the beans, you know, or, oh, cool. They're having a great love affair. That's great. And move on. Like, I think that through my therapy, that's where I've gotten to in my life. You know, I think a little harder with like, I told you at one point that I was getting upset about all of your financial successes. Remember? I do remember that. Yeah. I told you because. I knew that it was bugging me and if I didn't verbalize it, it would grow into resentment. So I think it was very important for me to verbalize and to tell you. And then at one point, a different phone call, you said, well, I'm not going to share this with you because I know it bums you out. And I said, no, that is for me to work out. Like you should be able to share whatever you want. Like if something good is happening in your life, you should be able to share it. And if I want to have this kind of financial success, then I need to follow your path and see what you did and figure out how that I can get there too, you know, but it has to be realistic. Like I have to know you. And if you're judging yourself based on some social media posts, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster, you know, a recipe for disaster. And in, and in people's heads, I'm imagining that a lot of people say, yes, like I agree, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes when you're inundated with, you know, all sorts of images of, of people's joy and feeling a lack of it at the same time. So you're carrying your creepy doll and you're now you're getting resentful to your creepy doll. And the the temptation is, is I'm just going to put this doll down before I'm ready because I want to feel that too. I want to be done. I want to feel that. Right. And it's like, if you're looking at ads or you're, you know, all these things, of course, happiness sells, you know, they're not yeah. going to sell sadness, but I don't know. I guess I'm like, I feel like I'm around more real people. I mean, there are people I'm sure on my Facebook are fake, but um, it just does not affect me. I don't even, doesn't even phase me. Might crack me up every once in a while, (laughs) but does it make me look at myself and feel bad, you know? And I think that's something that through this healing process for me with this last breakup is like, I got to the point where truly I love myself. And if somebody else doesn't, well, there's nothing that I can do about that. You know, like I'm actually happy with myself and it doesn't matter. My hair is crazy and sticks up or, 
you know, I don't look like a model or I'm not, I don't, not rich and have a, you know, nice fancy car. So what? Like I'm living the life I want to live. And that's where you have to get to. Everybody needs to get to. And I think like therapy was profound for me. Friendship was profound for me in that. And having this for the first time in my life, truly like experiencing the sadness and being with it and not kicking that doll to the curb, you know, but keeping it with me and like getting through it. I think that really made, I'm a different person. And both of my exes have said that the ones that I'm very close to have said, you're so different than you used to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. liked me the same. They liked me before and they like me now, but they're like, they like, they're happier for me and they think I'm more settled, you know? Yeah. I'm more settled in myself. You learn and grow over time. I mean, that's the thing is for every interaction. Well, we should. Not everybody does though. It's hard work. It It is. I mean, sometimes it, the, the learning can be intentional and sometimes you're just kind of smacked in the face with an experience that you're like, well, I learned from that. Right. Um, but, you know, I think when we're looking at this whole making space for others joy in relation to the healing process. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about a couple of things here that, you know, that we've really been able to to talk about and hit on today was this idea of, you know, can you, you know, be a good manager of your own boundaries to know those kinds of conversations or those kinds of experiences or events that you may not want to attend or participate in because you know that you're not emotionally ready to really genuinely feel someone else's joy before, before, you know, before you might say or do something that, you know, that comes out and it's like, you know, you're upset about it. If, if I know I'm going to be upset about going to a couple's game night, then don't go to a couple's game night. So, I mean, there's that one piece, the, the, you know, the other piece is being really clear about, talking with other people, like you brought it up with me, this idea of, you know, it really bugs me when you talk about your financial successes. So being really open about, you know, like maybe asking people to, you know, be conscientious about talking about all the great things going on, especially if something is really sad. Um, Or, you know, it may be that the person says, I want you to talk about great things because I don't, I don't want to talk about my sadness right now. Tell me something great. Mm -hmm. That was something I was doing, you know, right after my mom died. I was like, tell me something good about your day. Just tell me something good. And so I asked friends to actually text me something good about their day. And I have friends every day who would send me something good about their day because I just wanted to know that good was happening around me, even though I felt like good wasn't happening within me or, you know, in my immediate situation. But that's where you have to also, you look out the window and see there's a bird there. There's a, you know, the sun is shining or these things are happening or there's a butterfly that like, this is the thing about being in the world that you have. Sadness is always among us, you know, it's always with us and you, it's not going to go away. No. So you can figure out, do you want to be in situations where you're going to, you're not ready to deal with, you know, someone else's joy? Do you want to be in um, situations where you want other people's joy to help bring you inspiration and excitement and, you know, avoiding that envy? Do you also want to make sure that you're in a place where you're not, you're not reading into the overhype of kind of an idealized joyful situation where you're, you're internalizing it. I mean, it sounds like you've done a good job with that, but I know most people haven't, right. It's like mm-hmm. seeing other people's joy that feels like, you know, it's like that, you know, the, the, the neighborhood couple who all of a sudden gets divorced and you're like, nobody saw it coming because they were the ones who always hosted the block parties and the kids were mm-hmm. at the house. And, um, and so also understanding that what you see isn't always what's going on. And so, so this kind of sense of joy is really a perspective and not necessarily a, a static truth. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of this is what, you know, we're talking about is figuring out for yourself how you're feeling 
in the moment, you know, and it can change and sticking mm-hmm. with that sense of sadness, as long as it takes to work through it or the negative feelings, but also knowing what your capacity is and what you need. And if you need, like in some senses, I needed someone to send me a text about something good. Great. But then if I got too many of them, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, don't send me any more texts. You just right. knowing your own boundaries and knowing your own needs is really important. And you talked about therapy, you know, you can do it through journaling, you can do it through processing with others or just thinking about it on your own. But I think that's the key to healing is understanding that you're going to have a process that's going to work for you. Um, but that it may be different than someone else's and really kind of thinking about this piece of uh, making space for others. Joy is something we don't really talk about. We just kind of say, Oh, come on, move along. You're good. Right. And also what if you're like, Oh, I, or people are rude to you. Like, I don't want to hear about your breakup anymore. I don't want to hear about it. Can we talk about something else? Like, I was very clear with my friends, this is what I need to do, you know? Yeah. And if, if they can't hear it, if they can't be around it, then I can't be around them because that yeah. is what I need to do to get through this. And That's what you needed at the fortunately, time. Yeah. And I had so many people that were so helpful and would listen. You listen to me cry over and over. And, you know, it was really, it was so great. But that's where you've got to choose people that, will be in your life who support you and that you support them, you know, like it's a mutual, it's symbiotic, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're going to be there for them. I was there for you when you were sad. And then you were there for me when I was sad. Right. Right. You know, and I, I I had so many people and I, I wouldn't at this age hang out with people that couldn't be emotionally supportive anymore. There's no point. I mean, whatever, talk to them, you know, straight or whatever, but maybe go to a party and they're there and talk to them, but like not as my close friends. I mean, my friends kept me afloat, you know, they really truly did. Well, and those friends also needed to understand that when they were hanging out with you and I, I knew this, that we, this is what we were going to talk about because you needed Mm -hmm. that and I'm your friend and my joy can sit on the back burner and I can, you know, listen as you're talking about what you need, because that's, that's what friends do. And if you keep talking, keep talking about it, eventually you get to the point where you're, then you're making jokes about it. And you know what I mean? It becomes lighter and lighter. In my opinion, it's like that thing, you know, you light a candle or you take one candle and light others. You're not diminishing the light of the first candle. You're lighting the other candle. And that's right. how I feel about pain and suffering. And I, I mean, maybe because I was a cop and maybe because I've done this work with so many people who have, you know, family members who died in tragic situations is that don't ignore that of other people. People right. tend to like, oh, that person doesn't want me to talk about it. No, they don't want to feel alone. They don't want to. They maybe do want to talk about it. So if you truly want to be a good friend, then also make that space for their sadness. So even while we're sad, we can make space for others' joy, but maybe they can make space for your sadness. Because if you yep. share that, in my opinion, what I've seen in my life, if you share that, you are so much better off than if you try and hold in all that pain and grief on your own. Exactly. That will eat you up, you know? Yep. And I, I, I love what you said. I think, you know, it's a really great way to, to wrap up is, you know, making, you know, making space in your sadness for others, joy, but making space in your joy for other people's sadness. I think that's a really key point. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had another interesting discussion today, a really, really cool topic um, and really important. And I don't think that sometimes we really get to issues like this as much when it's, I mean, this is really, really kind of digging down into the weeds of healing. And I think it's such a, 
an important thing for us to be to be discussing. So thanks, Tracy, for the, the great conversation. And thanks for all of you listeners to tune in for us uh, for our conversation today. And we look forward to having you listen in on another episode. And until then, go out there and make sure that you rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.